Hold nothing back. This is The Dash, episode six. I'm your host, Trey Gamage, and joining me today is Justin Most of the Lido Legacy Incorporated. His event, Lead Michiana, has now expanded to a national event, Lead USA, where some of the greatest speakers, the greatest leaders, the greatest facilitators of purpose come in and talk about how to build strong teams. This year's special guests, Eric Thomas, Karen Hurt. Last year, I was able to meet Les Brown, John Maxwell, great thought leaders in the world are working with this man to create an amazing leadership conference. So I'm excited to hear what he has to share with us today because it wasn't always like that. Justin said that when you see someone with a dream, it makes you either want to be a part of that one or have your own. In 2004, Justin wasn't sure how to cultivate his dream, so he joined his brothers. And the mentoring program, Five Star Life, now impacts over 10,000 students a year. Six years after that, Justin parlayed his experience into the Lido Legacy Incorporated. Check out more information at TreyGamers.com. But for now, I hope you enjoy the conversation. This is The Dash. The impact and trajectory that you've had over the 15 years has been kind of crazy. Um, I know that you give your glory for God and you're spreading the message of the kingdom. What happened in your life and in your business that made you decide to stop holding yourself back? You know, honestly, uh, you know, with Five Star, mm-hmm. um, this, this, when someone has a dream, it causes you to either say, man, I want to be like them or mm. I want to be a part of that dream. Okay. And when I was when I was working with Edward Jones, my brother was a youth pastor, and we were both living in the Thumb of Michigan. And my dream was never to start Five Star. Right. Seth had a passion for junior high students. He had a passion to help tell students that they mattered. Mm-hmm. And he was a youth pastor, but he left that because he's like, who's loving on the kids that don't have a youth pastor? Who's loving on the kids that are just walking the streets? Mm. And so we moved down to Elkhart because wow. we were in the okay. Thumb of Michigan. He had this this passion for that, and I have always had a passion for you know business and yeah. I had a passion for Jesus. Okay. And so what happened is uh, Seth had this this passion for junior high kids, and I'm like I I want to help Seth. He has a dream, mm. and so his dream I got caught up in his dream wow. of what God put in his heart to do, and so I went and did what I'm good at. I went and door knocked, talked to people, shared the vision of what Five Star was going to do from the very beginning. And it exploded because Seth was staying focused on what he was called to do. Develop curriculum, love on students, and build up volunteers. Wow. Wow. So so all I did, I was the behind the scenes business guy. Mm. And I was trying to, I was trying to fight for that dream. And about seven years in, I got hit with a dilemma and that that dilemma was you know i never wanted to be in youth ministry okay Uh, i never i never wanted to be a fundraiser Mm. but i believed in my brother and i wanted to help him succeed and i'm like i I told the lord before i even started with seth and five star i'm like i don't know exactly what you want me to do yeah but i know what you've put in him to do and i'm going to go help him 
until you tell me what to do. Okay, okay. And so, so today, Seth is impacting. I'm going to assume. He, he, I was talking to him the other day. I think he's impacting over 10,000 students. Wow. Because he's got 2,000 students going through the after-school program, mm-hmm. created video curriculum oh, that's yeah. in multiple states across the country, and he, he's impacting. 10,000 students wow. by way of the video curriculum. Wow. Wow. And so he's the whole team running and going and blowing. But I was hit with this decision of, okay, I have this passion for business. Mm-hmm. I have a desire to speak, train, and coach, but I can't do five star and this at the same time. Okay. And so I then realized I've got to, I've got to resign because I think I know what the mission is that I've been given, that I've got to be, be obedient. Right. I've got to be a good steward with that vision. Yeah. So I, I launched, baby. <laughs> and so that was you you kinda got the yearning to just go and give all your your whole message and your whole your whole vibe and everything that you saw for yourself then? Yeah, well I actually thought I was gonna do that before I even started Five Star. When I was a mm. financial advisor with Oprah Jones, I read a book, you said how did all this start? When did it really start to connect? Yeah. I read a book by Bruce Wilkinson, uh, and it's called The Dream Giver. Okay. And I'm telling you, you know this, yeah. right? Yeah. God's given you a dream. And so when he gives you a dream, you have a responsibility with what's on the inside. Wow. And so I read a book from like 1130 at night to 230 in the morning. Mm. And I, I put that book down, and I knew that while I was good at Edward Jones, I had the skill to build that business. It was not my core passion. It was not a dream of mine. I loved business, but I just knew financial advisory wasn't my thing. Right. And so I, I res- they offered me limited partnership. And after they offered me limited partnership, I resigned from Edward Jones, moved down here to the Elkhart, Michigan region. And I thought I was going to start some type of speaking thing then. Okay. But... I was running hard, and, and I was thinking, okay, Seth could do the kid thing, I could do the business thing, my dad could do the college thing, and I, we just had to make a decision. I'm like, listen, I don't know exactly what mine looks like, mm-hmm. so I'm going to help you until we figure it out. That, and that's so cool that all three of you guys have, you know, your separate entities to impact and, and do your work for God. That's pretty amazing. One of your quotes, too, it says, victory loves preparation. So what I just heard from what you said um, last week, actually, a friend sent me a sermon. Um, I forgot the pastor's name, but it's a pretty big church in North Carolina. I think it's Elevation Church. And he was talking yeah. about the power of pre. And sometimes your preparation doesn't look like the thing that you're actually getting. If you knew that the wax on or wax off was going to bring you to lead a legacy, it would have been a different path. So what about Five Star prepared you for where you are right now? And how? Why? And why is that such an important um Victory less preparation. Why is that so important for you? Okay, so there's two questions. Yes. I'm going to answer the the two questions. So the first one is, why is victory love preparation such an important message to me? If you want the truth, well, you want the truth. So I'm going to give you the truth. (laughs) So my whole life, while I was at Edward Jones, even while I was at Five Star, Mm -hmm. I relied more on my talent and on my ability than I did on, wow. on honing my skills. Yeah. And and I I was a procrastinator. I was I I just kind of settled for I'm pretty good. 
which is all about pride. I'm I'm pretty successful. I'm I'm better than most. <clears throat> I watched this. There was a movie that I watched, and and in this movie there was this quote: "Victory loves preparation." And so almost every day I have this morning power routine, and I have five quotes that I recite. Okay. That that are designed to fuel me to tell me who I am mm. and are, are, are designed to call me to the level that I believe I'm supposed to be running at. And one of those quotes is victory loves preparation okay. because in my past, I've relied on my skill. I've not prepared for victory. I've just been lucky to get it. Mm. Because I work hard, but, but I've never prepared well. How long so, have you been preparing now? I've been preparing for about five years. Okay, okay. So now, see, intentionality. I, th I think that when God made the earth, I think it wasn't like, well, we'll just throw some trees out there. Oh, my gosh, the trees produce carbon or oxygen. I had no idea. <laughs> so glad the oxygen can help those humans. Right. He was preparing for victory. Mm-hmm. Instead of just running wow. hard, he, he was super intentional about everything that he did. Yeah. I just realized in my life, if I looked at it, I was not intentionally preparing for the victory that I was dreaming for. And so five years ago, I began to intentionally run in such a way as to win the prize, okay. which no Olympic athlete is just hoping to get there. They have, they have an intentional plan of preparation to go from Olympic athlete to gold medal Olympic athlete. Yeah. And that's... That's why, for me, Victory Love's preparation is because I used to be a fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants guy, and I had a level of success, but nothing compared to what I believe I can have if I have the mentality mm. that I am preparing for the victory that God has for me. Okay, okay, okay. I, I think that's necessary for myself to hear, and I think any young person to hear, because it, it is so easy to even for an interview like this to just get on 10 minutes before and not do anything. But there's a difference when you just show up and do your work and when you do the research that's required and the whatever's required to, to make a difference. Because anybody can go, I like to talk all the time, so I can just get up and talk, whatever. But I noticed a distinct difference, particularly with Toastmasters, when I prepared my speech mm -hmm. verse, just wrote an outline and delivered something off the top of my head. And, and it's, everything is the same all the way around. You you mentioned in there your routine. I've noticed now how valuable morning routines are for myself. I, I like to get up and, and read. Um, Ogmandino has a book that I'm reading now, The Greatest Salesman in the World. Yeah. I've been reading that one, so I'm in like chapter four there. I'll pick a Bible verse or Bible chapter to read, and I'll sit down and meditate and just take my time getting up, my power hour to start the day. What are yeah. some of the things in your morning routine that help you out? You know, the Bible says to renew your mind daily. Yes, right? yes. And it talks about Philippians 4, 8. You know, what? Uh, think about whatever's true, whatever's praiseworthy, whatever will bring a good report. Mm. So my whole life is geared around my faith. Okay. So I love business, and I love serving my clients. I love doing leadership stuff. But all the decisions I'm making, I'm trying to make from a faith decision. That's yeah. just who I am. Yeah. So morning power routine I have a whole bunch of stuff on here, but I'll just tell you, these are the things that I want to renew my mind with okay. and keep me dialed into the few things that I'm responsible to deliver. So I have a little good morning, Jesus, little note that I've written, and I just recite that note. 
and then I have a life wow. vision statement. So I recite my life vision statement. Then I have these life goals, like these dreams, these things I really am believing for, and I, I recite my life goals. Okay. And then I have these short-term goals that align with my life goals. And I want to remind myself that in the next 12 months, 12 to 18 months, I want to see these short-term goals mm. come to reality. And you have them laminated and, and posted well, I, up. I just, it's just one of those sheets. Oh, okay, I, okay. You know, I can take it out and read anytime. This is a living document for me. Yeah. And so then I have these affirmations. You know, I recite these affirmations of, of I'm trying to call myself. I'm believing that God has more in me. And I want to grow. Mm. I want to grow for my clients. I want to grow for my family. I want to grow to experience the fullness that God has for me. So I mm. recite these affirmations that challenge me to say, there's more in me. I can, I can go to a new level. And then yeah. I have my values. I recite my values. And then I have three scripture verses, four scripture verses that have deep meaning to me personally right now. Wow. And I recite those verses. And then I've got um, these five power quotes. So love is the bond of perfection. I try to recite that every day because right now I'm a hard driver. I'm passionate. I'm intense. I'm running hard, right? Right. But, but without love, none of my running makes any sense. It's just a sounding gong. I want to remind myself that yeah. before I achieve, I want my achieving to be like cloaked in a whole bunch of love. Mm -hmm. And so love is the bond of perfection. Victory loves preparation. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. <laughs> And then the secret to my success can be found on my daily agenda. And then focused in, this is Dave Ramsey's quote. I love Dave Ramsey's quote. Focused intensity over time times God equals wow. momentum. Wow. And then my last, I have two more, so I guess it's more than five, but instant obedience to God trumps all other leadership philosophies and actions. <laughs> Never can lose when you obey, right? Okay. And then the last one is success loves discipline. So I re recite all these mm. things and I have like a, uh, a prayer time. So I have 19 to 20 different prayers of people and things that I'm praying and believing for. Um, but that's my, that's my morning power routine. Every single day I try to get, get quiet and, and recite and review this stuff. There's so much to unpack there and I'm not even going to try and do it all right now so we'll save that one for another time so we're still talking about preparation that's mm -hmm. when that's the first thing you do when you get up is go through this routine not every day but okay. that's my that's my goal that's my desire is is on a daily basis I'm renewing my mind with the few things that I know I'm running mm -hmm. I don't know how to say it man run in such a way as to win the prize if you want to win you got to be intentional about your day. Do the thing you have the power. I want to start my day with the mindset that tells me I've got more in me than what I realize. And, and let's put the let's put your running shoes on. Let's put that helmet on. Let's get your your shield and your sword and let's do battle right. for today. Right. The second thing that I do is as I have my my little journal. It's like a daily planner, and I I write out. That's it, baby. <laughs> So every day I try to write out my agenda. Okay. Again, that's victory loves preparation. So I'm writing out day by day. Every day. Okay. How often? How often do you change? I've started to set my goals at night. It's hard to maintain the same exact routine for a year or whatever for the resolution. I think that's why they don't work. So I've kind of broken mine down to 90 days. So an overall goal. I have a goal for August. My next big goals are in August. I've 
taking that big goal and really just chop that all the way down into 90 days where I'm focused on being disciplined, being diligent, having desire to follow through on these things. And I'm trying to do a weekly review, daily study, but it, sometimes it's hard. So I went home for Christmas, and it just changed my whole routine. I was waking up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning and working being really productive until 11 a.m., now my hours have kind of shifted. And instead of staying on that particular routine, I've kind of adjusted with my life and my body and what I, I believe God is telling me the way that I should be riding in life and the, the direction I should be taking. How often do you shift that routine, or is it specifically how it is? Uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, you got to do whatever you need to do to stay running. And mm. there are seasons where, you know, right now I've got high school and junior high kids. Yeah. And they don't get up at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> they, they like to stay up later. Right. And so I'm challenged with my routine is 4.30 to 5.30 uptime. Right. And and that's pretty consistent. Mm -hmm. Then I pass out like at 9 o'clock. <laughs> And so I, I'm sometimes my routine changes because I'm like, you know, I'm going to stay up a little later. So I, I'm going to give myself some grace and wake up a little later because mm -hmm. love covers the bond of perfection. And I'm going to put love and I'm trying to love my family well. And sometimes it's in the evenings. Right. So, um, so, so routine, routine is so powerful. Yeah. And so one thing that I'm trying to do is no matter what, I'm trying to get this in. Uh, maybe it's not at 4:30. Right. Maybe, maybe it's at noon. Uh, just just depends. But right. my typical mo is I get up, I do my morning power routine, I create my agenda, and then I'm running for the day. Okay. And and that's uh, or I'll do that and I'll go work out. So I've got a workout buddy a couple days a week. I'm going to the gym. But mm -hmm. I've noticed my sharpest mental time is usually in the mornings. Okay. But, but sometimes I need to, to shift that because I need to go physically get a workout in yeah. that feel better. So it just depends. I'm not uh, methodical about it. Right. I definitely know I got to fit that in. Right. Because you, you can't get caught in beating yourself up for not doing it the exact right way. But I think that's important. I think it's part of the process. You know, preparation is a process. You're, you're learning the process, and it's always changing and continuing depending on the season. I heard an interview yesterday with Marshall Goldsmith, who um, wrote the book Triggers, and he has he had the simple routine, and when he coaches people, he said he doesn't get paid until after they see results, and he gets paid based off of the 18 friends and their decision on if the client received results or not. So that's pretty... That's pretty, yeah, it's pretty big on his part. But he's like, these are the really simple routines. He asks the people what they want to change, and he asks them if they're willing to bet on it. Are they willing to bet that you'll make this change? And if they say no, he doesn't accept the client. If they say yes, he does. And his point is that the disciplines are really simple, and they're really easy. They're really simple tasks. Like you, Those are easy things to do, to wake up and, and just, if I, if I don't have 30 minutes in a day for myself, what am I really doing to wake up? So, But those are also hard to do. One of your favorite books I remember from when I asked you your top influence is The Compound Effect and Darren Hardy. Yeah. How does that preparation turn into a compound effect? So um, I had a, I, I set little goals. So I, I try to do different things just to stay healthy, right? So one of my goals was I started juggling the soccer ball. Mm-hmm. And it was when my kids were younger, I thought they were going to get into soccer. And so I thought, man, this is a great time for, for me to get a workout. Plus, we're playing with my kids and 
thought it was awesome. Well, none of my kids ended up playing soccer. <laughs> I still start juggling the soccer ball, and so I set a goal. I found that for me to get excited about exercise is I like to have a goal out in front of me. Like, let's, you know, one year it was I wanted to be able to swim seven miles. Okay. Another time it was something else. Okay. Um, okay. So, so the compound effect came alive when I, I put the goal out there. I would like to juggle the soccer ball at least 500 times in a row without it dropping. Mm. Wow. So every day, my workout routine was not lifting weights and doing all that other stuff. I got the soccer ball in my backyard, Dang. and I would juggle, and when I drop it, I'd have to do 10 push-ups. And when I dropped it again, I had to do 10 sit-ups. When I dropped it again, I'd have to do 10 up-downs. Wow. And so I got this crazy workout in, and over the course of about a year, <laughs> I went from being able to juggle the soccer ball maybe 11 times to my best was 1,938. What? What? That's the compound effect. Is what? I never imagined that I could get to 1,938, <laughs> but because it was a daily, weekly, everywhere. When I worked out, I took wow. my soccer ball. And so you, you and I both know. Yeah. That, Thirty-year-old in his backyard juggling a soccer ball is not that cool. <laughs> but do you know how much fun it was for me to see my own growth in that stupid little goal? How much more powerful could the compound wow. effect be if it's let's let's create a leadership event that wow. goes from a, a, a leader cast event to to a live event self bend to now a global national simulcast event? Yes, I've got this dream out here and I'm applying the compound effect Shoot. daily making phone calls. And I've got this background to, to look back and to say, you know what? The compound effect has helped me swim seven miles right. in one, in one swim, open water swim. I've got this compound effect that is, that is proved to me that I can go from juggling the ball 11 times to 1,938 times. I've got this belief now that when I do the, daily little incremental actions that it can produce pretty freaking awesome results yes for sure so that's why you asked me what's why did that book because i know that nothing big in life happens unless you're willing to do the little things mm -hmm. dang that's huge and and you're looking actually you're physically cut right now you're i can see i can see you're in shapeness right now so i don't know how long well, ago that that's just because i have a tight shirt on <laughs> Well, well, but that's still that's still some pretty solid discipline because you kind of did skip over the the ten push up or ten sit up part. You increased dramatically from your juggling skills, but you did also become I would assume you became a much yeah. more in shape person doing that as yeah. well. So there mm -hmm. there's I think it was Jim Rohn said the or no Zig Ziglar set a goal to be to reach a million dollars not for the monetary award but who you have to become to achieve that goal. So sometimes that's just the fun part in setting the goal. Where where yeah. did I'm I was looking at the compound effect in your standpoint from Lead Michigan, Michigan, Indiana, huge event last year with my favorite speaker Les Brown who I saw in yeah. the airport with his son seeing Darren Hardy, Bonnie St. John was my uh commencement speaker the summer before from college, how did you, where did the vision start for Lead Michiana and how did it get, how did it compound to Lead USA? So for me, it all, it all stems from, you know, the vision that I have of why I do what I do. I, I have three things. I want to develop leaders. Mm -hmm. 
inspire teams. I love team. Team is where it's at. If you want to do anything big in life, you better have a team because no one person accomplishes anything great. He, even Jesus. <laughs> he, he had this idea of let's find 12 people. And, and he could have done it all on his own, but he was modeling to us, yeah. if you want to do something big, you better build a team. So, so develop leaders, inspire teams, and then build legacy. That's what I want to do. Those are the three things that I am I'm running wow. for every day. So, so events challenge people. And in this region, one of my passions is I want to lift the DNA of the leaders that are running all these great companies. Right. But I infuse some people that are doing some amazing things across the country. I want to bring them to our community. Wow. And I, I want these leaders to be challenged. Events challenge people to think differently, to act differently, to believe that, that more is possible. Right. And if I expose them to, you know, this year I have Chris McChesney coming. He's okay. the global practice leader for Franklin Covey's. Probably wow. Franklin Covey's number one presenter worldwide. Wow. He's one of the authors of the Four Disciplines of Execution. Mm. I've got Eric Thomas coming. That guy has achieved <laughs> so much from where he was. Being homeless. Because of you know because of the compound effect. Yep. So he's going to bring a level of intensity, and he's going to challenge people to think differently. I am doing an event because my mission is to develop leaders, inspire teams, and build legacies bigger than ourselves. So right. you got to have events, and then you've got to have processes. Okay. So, so do you? How much do you worry about those those three things? I think you have to have a reason bigger than yourself. One of the lessons I learned. This past, the biggest lesson from 2016 that I learned is that it's not about me. I went through a lot of the year thinking about how successful I'm going to be when I do this, when I do that, when I become these things. But now I realize the reason that I get up every day has to be bigger than myself. And you didn't mention any dollar amounts. You didn't mention any amount of people. or uh, you, didn't, you didn't even mention the number of people impacted. You want to challenge people. That's what this podcast is for, to produce challenging, meaningful, significant conversation. How How is it for you? Some people focus on just the monetary or they just want to get out. Just give me a million dollars right now and I'll do this. What is yeah. Where does your process come into that play or come into play there? You're talking about the difference between uh, vision and maybe a goal. I have monetary goals. Mm. But but my why, you know, uh, my why, here, here it is. At the end of my days there's going to be a conversation. I'm going to be standing before the King of Kings and he's yeah. going to ask me, he goes, Justin, what did you do with what I gave you? And I think a lot of people, they live through life and they get all the way to the end and then they're like, you know, I think I'm going to try and make sure I leave a good legacy. <laughs> and and I, I believe that I don't want to be surprised with right. that question at the end of my life. I'm, I'm living in such a way so that I hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's my passion. Mm -hmm. So I've been given this passion for business. I love helping businesses succeed. And I've been given this passion uh, for Christ and for people. And I, I think that business and Jesus go really well together. So yeah. even my Lead USA event, it's not a Christian event. Right. But within that, I'm challenging people. I'm giving them such good content to think about is there something better I could do with my business? Could I make wow. it more successful so that it can become significant? You can't live with significance if you haven't become first, learn how to become successful. Mm. Significance mm. produce, I mean, success produces significance. Significance, yeah. 
Teresa, if she wasn't successful at caring for the poor and being a good steward with all of her time, she wouldn't have attracted all of these volunteers right. that are now throughout the whole world holding people and caring for the most unloved people on the planet. Essentially, she was successful first, and then that success, her passion to obey God, turned into a life of significance. Wow, that's pretty deep right there. That's a, I like that response. That's that's meaningful. I, that's big. So is your your reason, your why is your why. Your why is your vision. And then your monetary and your financial goals, those are still important to have. Everybody should have. Are they, are they important to keep separate, or can they be one and the, one and the same? I, they're not one and the same. It, it's, uh, John Maxwell talks about this. He goes, you should be uh, growth-oriented instead of goal-oriented. He said, listen, I have never imagined I could have and achieve all that we've been able to achieve. He goes, no goal is, is the, it's been a desire to grow. Right. So take this from a faith perspective. God is never going to tell you, Trey, dude, stop growing. You're, you've grown too fast. <laughs> I, can't, I can't handle that. Would you just, would you just plateau for a minute? Mm. God always is going to tell you, Trey. To grow. I've got, I've got more. There's more than you can ever ask or imagine. Exceedingly abundantly, more than you can ask or imagine. So, so understand that your why is just about pursuing mm. this purpose. And it never ends. And what Maxwell talks about, he goes, some people, they pick a goal, and and they hit that goal. They achieve the goal, and then they're like, hey, <laughs> I achieved my goals. And what that does is it often acts as a, a ceiling to the rest of their potential because they're, they don't have a growth-minded – so they achieve their goal. I've had clients of mine. They tell me, you know, Justin, I think I'm kind of bored. I, look at all that I've achieved. I, mm. I think my life is just empty because I've achieved. I did more than I thought I could. Wow. And and then I tell them, yeah, but you're not dead. <laughs> so I said, what's the picture between where you are and where you could be? And that right there is that whole pursuit of I'm just going to keep on growing. Right. So when you ask me do you put monetary with it? If you're in business, you should want to have a profit. For sure. <laughs> but that eat. shouldn't be your purpose. Okay. Your profit fuels your purpose. Okay. So for me, I want to fund missional activity with the things that I'm most passionate about. I don't want to just build a big business. I want my business funding something that's bigger than me. I want to take... Uh, the things of this world, success and all that stuff, and I want to turn it into eternal stuff. I want to turn it into to touching lives across the world. Right. And so I, I have monetary goals, but all of those goals are stepping stones to achieve the purpose. And I'm never going to stop setting goals. I'm just going to keep climbing. Yes, you have to. I think I, I know the first time I hit my head on the ceiling was in college. I playing football. The first two years I didn't play. My third year I played special teams. And finally I started my senior year. I had a forced fumble against Michigan. I had two against UMass, and we broke a 21-game losing streak. And that was my best wow. game. That was my first start. It was huge. I had two deflections, tackles, played like 100 snaps. Couldn't even move the next day. I was so proud. But that was also, <laughs> that was also the ceiling. I was like, well, I set a goal to be a starter. 
I just started the game, you know, and that, I didn't realize that was my subconscious thought because that's all I was striving for was to be a starter. And after I hit that goal, I didn't continue to progress at that point. And even from high school to college, I was already uh, all state. I was already all com- conference. I was already a scholarship athlete. It's just going to come to me. I'm just going to wait my turn and ride it through. But that now I've noticed there's an adjustment in the ceiling of life and that continual progression. How often, how far in advance do you set your goals? So you have leader or um, lead USA is coming up in May. Mm-hmm. When do you start planning for the next one, or when do you set your your next goals? For- so we we uh, because I'm in the the event season right now. My biggest goals are centered around this lead USA event from okay. a business perspective. So we 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 have our eyes locked in on this is what we're hoping to achieve. You know, I have X number of simulcast sites I want to have across the country. I have X number of people I want to see in the room. Um, I've got attendance goals and I've got financial goals. And, and all of that is to serve that bigger purpose. Right. But for the last piece, you do talk about the problem, the leadership crisis in business, and half of the workforce is not engaged at work. That's despicable. And that's, that's tough to swallow, but I think it's true. Um, what does Lead USA and what does your building teams inspiring and building le- legacies? I said all three of those wrong. The <laughs> developing leaders, inspiring teams, and building legacies. What does that do to change the engagement at work? So, at the end of the day, you and I have already talked about this. To be successful, it's not that the, the actual things are that difficult. You know, Jim Rohn says. You know, successful people are simply willing to do what unsuccessful people aren't willing to do. And so what I do is I, I'm trying to help these teams come together. Mm. And I, I've got seven practices that determine team success. And in leadership and in teams, you have to do the blocking and tackling of achieving goals. you got to have a vision for it, but then you got to get some 90-day picture of these yeah. are the specific goals we want to achieve. And those goals have to be broken down into daily and weekly activity. Okay. And so I help the team clarify their wins for 90-day goals. Yeah. I help them execute wow. on their wins because in a given day, we all have the same number of hours and minutes. And so if I can help them better execute on the time that they have, guess what I'm going to help them do? I'm going to help them produce better. Right. So then the, the third practice is, is helping them celebrate and evaluate. So they have to have metrics to evaluate if they're winning or losing. Okay. Our, our society, we've fallen in love with habitual mediocrity. Wow. We have a habit of accepting mediocrity. Wow. And so I'm declaring war. So my program focuses people on you, you remove habitual mediocrity by building habits of excellence of how you set goals, how you communicate them, how you measure them. And then the the second part of my program is really about this emotional IQ. Mm. We're not leading machines, we're leading people. And so I need to build better influence. I need to have a better rapport. I need to have stronger relationships. I need to have more trust. So I, I talk about that end of it. So it's using simple, direct, respectful communication. Okay. It's refusing to be offended. If you're gonna go to battle with a team, you have to refuse to be offended because you're gonna have problems. Yeah. And so when you refuse to be offended, you also need to remove the ripple. 
a ripple, anything that causes destructive pain to your team. The best companies and the worst companies, you know what they all have in common? What's that? They got problems. <laughs> they all got problems. But the best teams, they attack those problems and wow. they remove the issues. They remove the problems consistently. They don't sweep them over under the rug. They, they talk about the white elephant in the room. They talk about the 500-pound gorilla. The worst teams, they don't like to have those conversations. Mm. They try to avoid the reality. So the best teams that I know, they build awesome relationships. They build the transparency. They build the trust so wow. that they can attack the issues that are the forces that are coming against them to destroy their, their synergy, to destroy their success. And then the last one is establishing world-class habits. So that's okay. what I do. That's what I do every day. Wow. Your why is about pursuing purpose, and that never ends. Check out the top takeaways, quotes, and side notes at TreyGamers.com. I'm excited for this conversation. Learn more about Lead USA and the people that are going to be there at LeadUSA.org. And if you're looking to continue to develop more personally, professionally, check out the event page at TreyGamers.com as well. In April, myself and Toyenda Smith, next week's guest, will be talking about shifting our mindset. What's holding you back? The growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. Also, Lead USA will be having a satellite site here in Hartsville, South Carolina, where you can catch Eric Thomas, Karen Hurt, CEOs of Barry Wellhamer, Franklin Covey, all of those at your fingertips. So visit the event page at TreyGamers.com and come back next week as we talk to Toyenda Smith and her championship lifestyle. This is The Dash. Thank you.